everybody, and thanks again for joining me here on Take a Knee. Sorry I skipped last week. We've had a very busy season here at our church and in my family, and uh, but let's go ahead and dive in again, and I uh, hope you're doing well. Well, we are looking at what is happening in the world. We're trying to discover the will of God in all of this, and I know you're with me on that, praying and seeking the heart of God. And if you're one who is a, a person who fears the Lord, then you know to check at the gate your motives, your heart, and to ask God to help you decide what it is that your response to what is going on in the world ought to be. I was just chatting with my friend just a few moments ago, and one of the things that we both are discovering about this period of time is how there is truly a hunger for knowledge. There's a hunger to know what it is that God is doing and, and our part in it. But what is happening is that people are pulling away from biblical truth, and that's a danger because biblical truth has always been a foundation. And without a foundation, then, as Jesus said, that we're building our house upon the sand. And if you build your house upon sand, you know that you may have a period of time, a stretch, when the house is not threatened. There's not going to be winds or water and there can be long periods of time where a hurricane doesn't hit an area that a hurricane has hit years ago. And then you're lulled into this false sense of security and hope. Until, of course, the storm does come. And that's when we, are, we discover whether we have built our life upon the rock or whether we have built our lives upon the sand. Jesus said he is the rock, and his words are truth and their life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when he says he's the truth, he's not just talking about just believing in him. He means and includes all of his words, what he taught. And, of course, Jesus taught a lot, didn't he? He taught an incredible amount on the moral condition of the people of God at the time. There was a lot of hypocrisy a lot of religiosity, a lot of, of uh, you know, those who believe one thing but do another, and began to question. There was, among certain groups during the time of Christ that still believed in morality, it was just they didn't know how to apply it. And what happens is that selfishness and narcissism always finds its way to the top. So I want to to kind of just tell you a little story, you know, beginning in my life, one of the things that really surprised me is that I was so ferociously hungry for the Word of God. And I remember sitting down and just reading my Bible for hours at a time and just learning and learning. And I also got a hold of some tape series back in the late 70s and early 80s when I first came to Christ. I would listen to these tape series and teachings on the Bible. I wasn't attending a church at the time, and so I was learning, I was growing, I was so hungry. And yet I, you know, I had to apply these things with the little bit of knowledge that I had. But what became clear to me is that these truths would run headlong into my will and into what I wanted for my life. And that is probably the biggest part of the journey, if you would call yourself a, a Christ follower a person who is hungry for the ways of God, that you're going to see that ultimately what Jesus taught, what capped it all, 
what was the thing that really characterized the teachings of Christ was this one truth. He said, follow me. Follow me. And so he meant that, of course, when you think about his belief system, but also in his journey and how he ministered and, 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 and then ultimately what led him to the cross. You know, he's not wanting us to necessarily physically die for him, but he does not want to, us to choose the selfish path. He wants us to choose the sacrificial path. And that always begins with our personal choices. It always begins with what I want as compared to what God wants for me. And this basically is what is going on in the world today, is that I think there are those who are very impressed by their own needs. And their own needs come to the surface, and we're all very acutely aware of what our hunger is, what we're thirsting for, what we need. The whole idea of self-love and I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. And so something needs to change. And so what we do is we want to change our circumstances or we want to change what is happening in our lives, what, what we're being fed, what is meeting our needs. And Jesus teaches us. There in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that if we'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other things will be added to you as well. Now, these are not just words. This is a life path. This is the best advice any human being could ever get. And we should spend the rest of our life thinking about this verse when we're thinking about our needs. And it all begins with surrendering our needs and making God's priority for our lives first and foremost. And so what does he say? He said, seek two things, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, we look at the righteousness. That one's been taken care of, has it? Yes, it has. Because Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He has made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of the work on the cross, his blood, his body offered up. He cleanses our consciences from acts which lead to death, it says in Hebrews. And so then it opens up the door for us to experience. There's no condemnation, as Paul says, Romans 8. No condemnation for those who are in him, who put their hope and faith in him. And so what is left? Well, righteousness. And what is righteousness? It's not just holiness. There's a difference. Now, righteousness may include holiness, but righteousness really literally means, in the Greek, to be in right standing with God, to be in right relationship with him. So we're good. And Jesus came to make us good with the Father, that he took care of our problem of sin. He took care of our separation. He became that sin for us, and he nailed it to the cross, as, as Isaiah said. He's placed the sins of the world on him that we might be set free. And so now that righteousness part, right standing with God, has been taken care of. But the first part is the one where most of us have the challenge, to seek first the kingdom. We talk a lot about that here on this podcast regarding a kingdom lifestyle. But it really does come down to needing to spend more time to really discover what that means. Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. Well, just break it down. Okay, we have a king. It's Jesus, King Jesus. 
and he rules over a kingdom, and that kingdom is the body of Christ, that is the church, that is the followers of God, that is those whose minds have been illuminated to the truth, who understand and believe that the Bible is the manual for our life here on earth, and that we believe in eternity. We believe in hell, we believe in heaven, we believe in the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, we believe these things. And the kingdom of God is ruled by this king, King Jesus. He's a prophet, he's a priest, he's a king, he's a king in every sense of the word, He was in line according to the genealogies given to us in Matthew and Luke. So he rules over this kingdom, and it's our job, it's our responsibility to let him be the king of our life and to function within the kingdom that he's created. And in this kingdom are rules, there are laws, and I mean laws like gravity that just are, they exist, you know, and we're given the Ten Commandments that really describe the essence of of how the universe operates, to be good, to be holy, to be righteous, to be kind, to be generous, to not be evil, to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but to care for others. Jesus taught on this over and over again. He told us how this kingdom would operate, and we got to make it first. So that's what we're talking about here, folks, and how we can function in this world is that to really examine every aspect of our life. So let's just break it down. I mean, you can mention them, you can write them down, but let's just throw out a few. Your marriage, do you have a kingdom marriage? Is Jesus ruling and reigning over your marriage? Is is Jesus ruling and reigning over your thoughts and how you raise your children? Is Jesus ruling and reigning over what you do with your money? Is Jesus ruling and reigning over your relationships, your friendships? Is Jesus ruling and reigning over your future, your hope, your preparations for the future, your plans? He says, look, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He says, don't say about the future. He said, don't swear oaths and don't say of the future, you know, I'm going to do this or that. He says, but add, if God wills it. That's a kingdom thought, isn't it? If God wills it. And this whole idea of us planning our life is really a secular, worldly, carnal perspective that has leaked itself into the kingdom. And I don't know if it is a find and replace. I don't know if it's a hypocritical or counterfeit belief that has worked its way into the church, but I think there is some of that where we think that God loves us so much that he wants us to go ahead and plan our future out when God says, no, I've got a future and a hope and a plan for you. You need to discover what I have rather than you come to tell me what you want. Now, that absolutely permeates this world, the commercials to everything. And there's some truth in it that a handicapped person can go to the Olympics, that a person who can't talk can communicate, that a person who is not born into an elite lifestyle can become a billionaire. That a person who is not very athletic can develop and become a professional in some athletic capacity. These are the dreams, the things of the world that are really celebrated. And I'm not trying to diminish those things. But what we need to do first is to seek him. And if that's a part of the plan, from us to go from being just an average person who lives a life to someone who's drawing a lot of attention and doing incredible things. You know, what we will be surprised about when we get to the heaven we're all heading to 
is that those who will be those most celebrated will be the people that most people didn't even really know. Known in heaven, feared in hell, but may not even been known here on earth. There'll be a lot of people celebrated, bronze statues made of. There'll be people that will have all kinds of celebratory. They have stars on sidewalks. What they have produced in this world will be celebrated. And they talk about eternal glory. But is it really? And will it be celebrated? Or is it going to be wood, hay, stubble, and straw burned up here on this earth and having no memory of it in heaven? Those things celebrated in heaven, those things remembered in heaven, those things that will be well done, thou faithful servant, in heaven are going to be the things that are not often celebrated here in this world and not even often seen. Jesus says, look, don't do your works of goodness or kindness publicly. He says, go into your prayer closet. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing or and vice versa. Pray in secret. Don't walk around and announce to the world, I'm spiritual, I'm spiritual, I'm this, I'm that. These are kingdom principles. To be known by God is the goal, and to do God's bidding, to do God's way. And then so Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, right? And his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. So what are all the other things? Well, I think they are basic needs, because he talked about that. Don't worry about what you'll wear, how you'll eat, where you'll live, where your house will be. Don't worry about those things. He says, trust me. You get your priorities straight, I'll make sure you have those. Of course, that brings up lots of questions. Does it mean that we'll also have wisdom to know how to do these things? Absolutely. Jesus said, look, you'll get them. But he didn't tell us how we'll get them. A lot of the how will be the working out through the kingdom principles. Folks, this, I'm giving you a lot to think about today. But when you think about your deepest needs, don't think that God just says, look, I'm just going to turn you loose and you go find out what it is that you want to do. That's not the way it works. And I share this from experience. Much of my life, I have done not what I've always wanted to do myself. I started out wanting to do a certain list of things, to be a football player, to be an engineer, to do these different things. And yet I had somebody come up to me one time and he said, you know, David, really, in the end, what you really wanted to do, you have done. You've been a coach in the kingdom. You've coached people. You've been on the field of battle. You have also engineered the church to grow and, and worked and coached and engineered a kingdom thing. And I just thought, you know, absolutely. I was, I've always wanted to be a builder. I've always wanted to be an artist to create. And it doesn't mean that any one of those things that God created you to be can't be fulfilled through a kingdom perspective. Well, better to say a kingdom application. So I want you to think about that today. I want you to pray. I even want you to write down, take a moment to write down all the different things that you need to submit to Christ and his kingdom so that all these other things may be added onto you. Don't just look at that verse at face value and just read it, but apply it. Begin thinking about what are those things in your life. Make two lists. One, make the list of how the kingdom is to come through you. What does a kingdom look like in those major aspects of your life? Then make the list of all the other things. What are your needs? And then put the kingdom of God list in front of the other and to say, when I do this, this will happen. It's a great exercise. 
and it will help you. I appreciate you taking time to listen today. God is so good, and he wants to bless your socks off. So I appreciate you taking a need today to listen to words of wisdom, words of life, because that's exactly what they are, coming straight from the throne, right from the heart of Christ. He knows exactly what you need and when you need it. God bless you. You have a great time in the kingdom, and we'll see you next time. God bless you.